five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and a very warm welcome on what has been a very warm week to five in the eye. If you're a regular listener, you'll know this is Colorful Radio's news review show, where we dissect, dissect, or dissect, dissect five of the stories that have caught our eye over the past seven days. And this is me, Michael O'Hujuru, introducing you to episode 035. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael via Zoom this week and revealing that our top news item is going to be about the Labour Party. Sir Keir Starmer, the party leader, has this week got his national executive to outlaw four left-wing splinter groups, meaning the automatic of their members. Is this a first step towards regaining the trust of the public? Well, we'll see. Five in the eye. For story number two, we're going to talk about the arts. A heartbroken Andrew Lloyd Webber was forced to cancel his production of Cinderella this week, despite Freedom Day. With COVID in, in the cast and the need for self-isolation, the old adage that the show must go on had to be abandoned. Are we now in danger of abandoning our theatres? Story number three. Well, the Olympic Games finally kicked off officially in Tokyo today amid a lot of controversy and cases of corona. Meanwhile, there was embarrassment for the Polish swimming team who'd miscalculated the number of athletes they were allowed to send to Japan. Extraordinary, extraordinary. And when former US President Clinton, Bill Clinton, came to London in 1997 for a four-hour stopover, it's been revealed that he declined tea with the Queen in favour of being a tourist in London. That's story number four. And finally this week, to wrap up the show, what about the guy in America who spent two hours cleaning his friend's apartment and playing with the cats there, only his friend didn't own any felines and he'd been cleaning the wrong flat? A big bonus for the surprised owners. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Okay, we're going to kick off this week with... uh, a story about the Labour Party because at uh, a meeting of its ruling National Executive Committee this week, the party chose to prescribe uh, outlaw four small uh, left-wing organisations um, which were um, allied largely with the former leader, Jeremy Corbyn. And um, this went through with a reasonable majority on the national executive, perhaps showing that Keir Starmer now has a fairly firm grip on the kind of at least the upper echelons uh, of the party. Um, the, uh, the argument here would be that perhaps Sakir is trying to send a signal to the wider public that the Corbyn days are over that you know his famous claim that the party's under new management has now got some real teeth and that some of the kind of more extreme elements are being pushed out of the party how it hasn't been without uh, a backlash and uh, one of the, the 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 bigger groups in the labor party the organization that was originally found to to uh, get jeremy corbyn a sort of uh, uh, of campaigning organization willing yet, Michael, to take on the likes of Momentum, who um, they, they have got um, several tens of thousands of members. Um, what, do you, what do you feel? Do you think that this smaller purge is a prelude to something bigger? And if so, is it the right direction for Labour? <laughs> Phil, that, that's a big, big question. Oh, do say questions? Stan is in a difficult position. 
he needs a close four moment. When he, you know, he draws literally a line in the sand, he cuts off. That was then, this is now. Where the, where Tony, that, that, the Tony Blair came up with that, or had that uh, phrase, new labor. And there was a government in waiting, there was ready to go. And he had people around him, a government in place to make it happen. And suddenly, I don't get that from, from Steinmeier. It just seems piecemeal, a bit here, a bit there. And this current bit, <sighs> by nature of a two-party system, it's coalitions. They're compromises. And you have to kind of, you know, you've got to finesse the compromise and its ability to, to, to tease, the, tease all, all parts of the party to work together. And clearly, he's failed. Maybe you're going to say to me, these people are too extreme. Nevertheless, it, it's, it's incumbent on him to spread the healing balm, to bring people together, to create the, the grand coalition and not cause division. And what he seems to be doing, Phil, I'm sorry for this, but I know it's your party and your love, but he's creating division inside the Labour Party, which maybe the Labour Party as we knew it is not sustainable. So, Phil, I put it to you, you know, it, it's the wrong time, the wrong move, and I was going to say he's the wrong man, but he, he's there. He's got to try and bring this together or bring the Labour Party together in not such a, for me, I think this is a, I was going to say, uh, a, a cack-handed, can I say that on the radio? Such a cack-handed way. I thought it was just, nah, didn't work for me, Phil. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I, I suppose a challenge here is, you know, we, we, we have, as you rightly say, it's a two-party system. It's first past the post um, in, in the UK. Now, it would be, if we had a system of proportional representation like they do in a lot of European countries, there is absolutely no doubt that Jeremy Corbyn's faction would be a separate party and they would be able to stand under their own steam and, you know, they would get a, a certain number of votes and Labour would get a certain number of votes. But the system doesn't allow for that. It basically says um, if you're in a if you're in a smaller party, you stand very little chance of forming a government. So people with more extreme positions on the left or we could look at the Tory party and some of the right wing factions in the Tory party, their best bet under our electoral system is always to try and gain those kind of back no, 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 I, I, I knew you'd bring that one about the Tories but at least the Tories keep the ship tight you know and they make the big decisions at the big moments you know and they're the oldest late the oldest political party in the world you know they know how to maintain that coalition and Johnson like him or not he seems to be succeeded in doing that because they're not afraid to drop people when the time is right, when the leader's day is over. Come in, number, <laughs> come in, come in, number ten. Your time is up. Whereas I think Labour, you know, they, they they go on a bit too long. They go, they're not, they're not as ruthless. And maybe this is Steinmeier trying to be ruthless, but I don't sense that. I don't, it, it seems to be a bit. Something he has to do. Oh, he's got, he's got so many, so many problems though, hasn't he? He, he. He, he needs to win over people who previously voted Tory. I and mean, one, one of the things that's quite extraordinary about the opinion polls, I mean, there was one slightly more maverick poll uh, earlier in the week that was more favourable to Labour, but most of the polls show the Tories stubbornly above the 40% mark. And this is after all the pandemic, everything that's gone on, all the fiascos, the, the cronyism, the PPE, the death toll, still the Tories 
wages are up there in the low 40s and labour is languishing in the low 30s. If he cannot win over people who currently support the Tory party, is there any hope that Labour would ever form a government? That must be surely front of his mind. And that must be why he would say, we've got to take on the left. You know, th- there's that floating vote, under the accounts between 10 and 20. And those are the people who say, well, we voted uh, Tory last time, maybe we could vote uh, Labour this time. They'll, they'll mix and match. He hasn't won them over at all. He's not brought them over. They still remain solidly. It's about 10 to 20% who are indifferent. Because there's a plague on both your houses with a lot of these people. When you look at the polls, consistently, politicians are, are not popular people. And he he's, doesn't seem to be making himself popular. And it's ironic, just as a time when, when, when um, Johnson seemed to be his weakest with so-called Freedom Day, the catastrophe, he's, he's in quarantine on Freedom Day. And his, and his, um, his, his right-hand man, who he sacked, is coming out with the nonsense that, 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 that Johnson was sprouting in the early days of the, the pandemic. Yeah, it's not moved his, his, his opinion. The opinion polls are not moved. Johnson's still favourable because he's, he's what he's at least worse. It's what we know. Keep going. You know, nothing going on here. Move on. So he's not he's not broken. Fight, 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 the fight, fight, final thought then. How much of this comes down to individual personality and charisma, Michael? Because, you know, the way I read Starmer, Decent guy, very bright guy, heart in the right place. Um, I agree with a lot of what he says about a lot of things. Is the thing that propels you, the leaders like Ed Miliband and Neil Kinnock also lacked it. There's a certain chutzpah, a certain magic that you have. And like it or loathe it, Johnson has that certain something that people want to have the selfie with him, have a pint with him. You know, he wants to have a pint with Keir Steimer. Who knows who he is? <laughs> you know, he went up north, was it to Blackpool or Scunthorpe on a coastal town? And he struggled to be recognised as along with his cabinet. There's a certain, mm. you know, what was it? You know, they talked about Steve Jobs' reality distortion field when you were near him. Johnson's got that same reality distortion field. People just, you know, they just fall over when they're in his presence. He's got it. And dare I see even Trump has it. It's quite sinister what leaders have, that kind of, they can make night, day, day, night, and they can make, they can pat you on the back and then stab you in the front and you'll still love them. You know, it, it's, it's a piece of magic that, you know, you're born with, acquire, I don't really know. But certainly, Keir Starmer, he's, as you say, he's a decent chap, but he hasn't got it. Five in the eye. Story number two this week is about the West End and Andrew Lloyd Webber designed to <laughs> ambition to get the, the, the West End open, to get theatres alive, to bring the industry, the theatre industry that is the West End, back to life. And he's he's railed against the government for holding it back. And just as he was allowed about to launch Cinderella, Freedom Day, you guess what happened? One of the cast caught COVID and they all went down, they're all pinged. So I had to cancel it. And my heart went out to him. Here is a man who's put his heart and soul into this. He's been the most, one of the most vociferous um, protesters about the lockdown and the, its impact on the theatre and the need to open up. 
And he put his money, literally his mouth is in this production. But he's overtaken by events. And I've got mixed feelings here, Phil. I can't doubt his ambition, his desire to keep the West in the line. But at the same time, you know, there's a pandemic on. And this new Delta virus, Delta version, is the, the, its replication rate is so high. You know, you've got to be aware, you've got to be sensitive to it. So uh, I'm sorry, Andrew, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but no, you've got to close because you, you, it, it's too dangerous. So, Phil, I'm sorry, Phil, you're going to you're, you're I mean, gonna I, tell I, me I, a decent I mean, I, I have... That thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I have very mixed feelings about this. She's um, studying um, in, in Liverpool um, and is a performing arts student herself. And um, her show at the end of the year at, at university was cancelled at the last minute because of COVID. And this is something that they'd been working to uh, working towards for, for weeks, if not months, as you can imagine. And um, for for people who work in this field, and obviously she aspires to enter this professional uh, field of the arts, it's a really desperate time. A lot of people, of course, in that sector also work freelance, and they might have summed out, but it's, you know, they're, they're, they're bit, I know there's lots of people who've kind of basically had to give up on their whole career path and head off and do something completely different and you wonder kind of how easy it's going to be to pick up from this in in the arts and you know you're a big champion of of the arts as a whole aren't you um do you not worry that actually we we, we could be uh, you know if we can't get this up and running somehow or other now at this point we could be really shooting ourselves in the foot for for many years to come deep breath I, i'm a great believer in nietzsche nietzsche says what does not destroy me makes me stronger. And this, this is an opportunity for, for, to be the most creative. And that, that, that's what, that's what art, the art is about, about being creativity, being creative. How can we, how can we work in, in spite of this pandemic? And this is not new to the arts. This was closed in the 16th century due to, due, due to plague, and yet it survived. The theatres will survive, artists will survive because artists, have to communicate. They have to do that thing. If it's like your daughter up in Liverpool at Lippa, or artists who are painting, and my own partner Ebu, she has to paint. It has to come out. And what comes out is an interpretation of the times. That's what I firmly believe. So no, this this this, this will not kill the arts. It'll only make it, for my love, stronger. There's some great books that are going to come out. There's some great plays to be written. There's some great artwork to be. Just be being produced or being produced that that, that that will uplift our souls and make us better make us better people make us feel better about ourselves and understand ourselves in a better way so no i don't think this kill the art i mean I I, I I i don't think we can leave this story though without just mentioning the whole pandemic i uh, idea because actually the reason that a lot of these uh, shows might have to close is because one person in the cast might have had a ping um, about someone that they've supposedly met and so on. And we've had all this debate, haven't we, about the app. I mean, to me, the, the, the whole app thing is crazy. It's something I don't have to download if I don't want to. So if I don't want to get pinged, I don't. And then if I do get pinged, I should obey it 
or shouldn't I obey it? And the government seems confused come on, Philip. Come on, over Phil. that. This is and maybe the, maybe the employer should apply for Phil, dispensation. Phil, Phil. I mean, this is all chaos, this. isn't it? No, it's nice to responsible citizen. Rights and responsibilities. You've got rights as you're a British citizen, but you've got responsibilities to download the app and respond to what it says. If we're going to get out of this, we've got to do it together. You know, this this current this Delta version, an R factor, reproduction factor of, I think, between five and seven. It's 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 huge in the way it can 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 can, can cut through um, uh, a, a football team, a city, a, a, a town, a country. So no, we, sure. we have to take it seriously, Phil. We do. And when you've been pinged, you got you got to take it. I've, I've been pinged. I've been paying, and thank goodness I've got my, my neighbours around here. They've supported me. They, uh, they did, my, did my shopping for me. They helped me. We help each other. That community spirit is, is still there. It's still there. I know there are financial implications now for the economy in terms. Of, I look, you know, meat factories being closed down because they, <laughs> meat lines being closed down because because people have been whole lines have been pinged. But you know, we got we, we we went into this together, and I'm really determined that we. Well, I would hope that we can come out of it together. And not just have endless, endless upsurges, you know, another wave, the third, fourth, end wave of this, this dreadful disease. Let, 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 let's try and get under control and move forward together. Five in the eye. Well, story number three has a bit of a COVID flavour, I'm afraid, as well, because it's the Olympics. And um, we know that some of the Olympic teams have been affected. One of our British athletes couldn't even travel out because she uh, unfortunately caught covid uh there is a worry amongst the japanese population isn't there michael that this is the the wrong event at the wrong time as as cases uh, spike in tokyo and um yet the the head of the world health organization said this week that it should go ahead on the basis that it would demonstrate maybe what you could achieve with good covid security uh, what what do you feel <laughs> I'm 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 really torn here because you know I was a games maker in the tw- London 2012. Don't look at me like that, Phil. I was it was a fantastic time. The Olympics is a fantastic, it's a celebratory time for the nation, for the athletes, for all those taking part. It's a fun time. It's wonderful, and it's full of hugs. <laughs> it's full of hugs, and COVID is the complete opposite of that. And this idea of you can't have a COVID-safe Olympics. You know, despite the World Health um, Authority saying it's possible, I'm not convinced because daily this past week there's been some some group, and they've often not named the group, whether they found with COVID and they're having to withdraw or isolate themselves. And it's just, it just doesn't seem right. It's going against all the things that are the Olympics, bringing people together. Yet at the same time, those athletes... They've given their life, many of them, for this moment. So I'd, I'd be the last to deprive them of that you, moment. You've got to feel for Japan as well, because, you know, it was delayed from last year. They've invested billions in it. Uh, they hoped that it would give a boost to their tourism and yeah. historic cities like Kyoto and so on. Of exactly. course, nothing nothing of that has happened. Um, but by the time we get to next year, we're running into the Beijing Winter Olympics. Uh, so it's now or never, isn't it, to coin a famous phrase from uh, the coronavirus pandemic it's now or never if they're going to hold it i know exactly so i i you know i wish them look i'll be watching it you know but at the same time you know there'll be be a little little, you'll be a little sad that it's not 
the Olympics that I knew. And okay, yes, I'm biased. London 2012, there'll be nothing like it again. But that Olympic spirit is an extraordinary thing. So that, 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 one can only hope that throughout the fact that, you know, the idea you're giving your medal on a tray and you have to pick it up and, you, you know, all contact is reduced. It just seems so many levels. I'm, I'm rambling now a little bit, but it just seems really, really sad. I just wish them the best of luck there. I do. I do hope it, it comes off. But, you know, it doesn't all go well because, as I say, daily there's, there's another team called. And then this nonsense of the Polish team. Did you read the film? Yeah, well, this is this is extraordinary. extraordinary. The, the swimming team, they 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 sent out, um, I think, twenty three athletes um, as part of their squad for the swimming, but that was too many, and uh, six of them had to return home, and they are understandably outraged by this because of the incompetence of the Polish authorities. They've actually called for the board of the the, exactly. yeah, the Polish on. Olympic Committee to resign. Definitely, I'd be gutted because you know to be an Olympian is just for, for most athletes the ultimate because they've they've worked hard you know the six o'clock in the morning at the swimming pool you know up and down doing their thing they've really tried and then to find out I'm sorry we just booked too many of you I just you know uh, okay I'm going to say basic admin surely I mean you know, heads who, must roll no, it's just incompetence incompetent heads must roll you've let down those young people you let down their nation. And you've embarrassed Poland because here we're talking about them in a not too positive way. But we've got to feel again for the young athletes. You know, let's not take it from those athletes what they've they've done to get there, and their their, their, their internal commitment that that body clock that got them up for you know, no hours in the morning to do the training seven days a week. You know, for 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 a number of years to get to be an Olympian and then to have it taken away from them because they've all had to meet reach the standard, you know, there's Olympic standards that you have to meet, and for some it it was probably a personal best to actually make it, and they did it so now there's uh, I mean uh, I, I mean Michael's, Michael is M- Michael's very modest. Michael's very modest about his his contribution to the 2012 Olympics. I mean, you should have seen his long jump attempt. That is a disgraceful comment, Philip. A disgraceful comment. In fact, only just today I wore my GB vest from the from the Olympics and my little my little run today. And I've just because in reckless the Olympics, the Olympics is happening. So I wore it just and it took brought back many happy memories. You know, that 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 golden Saturday when we won those three gold medals. Just extraordinary, extraordinary. So those Olympic moments, let's hope we do get an Olympic moment over the next couple of days, and let's hope it's for Britain. But let's just hope for the athletes, what they've done to make it, you know, what they've committed to themselves and how they, they put on a spectacle for us. I look forward to that. Five in the eye. Story number four this week. It's about Tony Blair and Bill Clinton from 30 years ago. Why do I know it's 30 years ago? Because they've just released the cabinet papers from, I can't believe it, 30 years ago, 1995. You know, they released the papers of Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. A correspondence about Bill Clinton had a four-hour stopover, and he'd been invited to to have lunch, not lunch, have tea with the Queen. But he wanted to decline, because guess what? He wanted to have some fun. He wanted to be a tourist in London. And one of the things they considered was having a, a jam. Tony on guitar, Bill on <laughs> Bill on saxophone. Okay, he didn't have the jam. 
But they did have, they did have a very pleasant lunch or dinner, lunch, lunch. A 298 pound. How much would that be today, Phil? 298 pound then. How much would that be today? The dinner, you know, the, the, the two heads of state. Uh, they look like, the pictures look like two old boys having a good old, you know, good old uh, chat there. But they... I mean, was a political point queen. being made they here, Michael? Was this, was this a... Yeah, was this a snub to Her Majesty? Yeah, was it was, was Clinton trying to make some kind of political point here? Because nah, um, I mean, overcooking himself. Well, you know, the idea that he 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 wanted to be a tourist. I mean, come on, this this was a guy who actually studied in Oxford. He's probably been to London a few more times than than you and I have been to Arkansas. I mean, uh, it just does seem a little bit odd to me. Uh, I thought I, I felt he might have been making a little bit of a political no, statement. No, 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 no you, you're talking about, he'd done his bid, had a meeting in NATO. And at the end of the day, these presidents and prime ministers, they're human. And they, they, they can do the day job so, for so many hours a day. But some, sometimes, you know, let me relax a bit. And particularly, there were, there were two young men uh, at the top of their prime, so to speak. And it was, you know, the three, in fact, they look like a young couple. You've got Tony and Sherry there and Bill with his missus around the dining table laughing and joking, you know. I, I could have joined them. I could have felt if they'd have me. I don't know. Having said that, £298. What was that? For? Oh, that's, that's, that's 300 quid, four people. How much your head is that? Yeah, for? I mean, you know, that's, that's, that, that, that goes along that. It, it, it goes a long way at Greg's, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> even at Pret, even at Pret, it would go quite a long way. But I mean, you, you you do look back, see them together, and you think happier times, Michael, simpler times. Well, yeah, but just one long last point, just before we finish on this point, I just don't like that. Is this thirty-year cabinet rule? Like these papers coming out now, while Tony Blair's still alive, and there's going to be some nastiness and some stupidity in there. Okay, this is a bit of levity, but nevertheless, I think. We should, we should wait till the Prime Minister has, has, has popped his clogs before they actually open the, the, the papers. As, as, you know, you know, Thatcher's gone now, so it can, it can all come out. You know, Because Tony, he made his decisions based on what he knew. And he's a man of integrity. So, But I'm, I'm sure there's some, some nasty bits in there that the, the, the Telegraph won't like or the Mail won't like. Five in the eye. Story number five this week is about cleaning. Now, it, it could be that you think, well, uh, it's a nice idea to have someone come in and clean your place, uh, make it all neat and tidy. And this was a service offered by a guy in America to his friends, which is a strange idea in itself. But he would go into their apartments and clean up for them and uh, charge them a, a, a modest fee. Uh, his friend said, one of his friends said, look, I left the key under the mat. So in he goes, does the cleaning, spends a couple of hours. They're making a place look absolutely spick and span encounters a couple of young felines um spend some time talking to them playing with them phones up uh, his mate and they have a chat and it turns out actually his mate doesn't have any cats and he's in the wrong flat and he's been cleaning up someone else's apartment um luckily this couple were very good humored about it they were very grateful for the fact someone had broken in and cleaned everything up but it might have ended differently i suppose michael what did you make of this uh, th- this service that this guy offers just on the point of cleaning the lady whose flat it was she loved his cleaning said he was very professional what did she she called him a cleaning what uh, a cleaning fairy a cleaning fairy, the cleaning fairy visit, and she was very happy even he played with the cats fed them you know he sounds a wonderful wonderful cleaner and i, I hate to say this i'd like to know 
Did they pay him? Did they bless him? And what about his mates? Is yeah. he is his mate expecting to come <laughs> back now and clean the place? And, you know, even though he wasn't there. But he seems he seems a very jovial character, and he's cleaning was therapy. He says to him for his mental health. And I can understand that cleaning mm. can be, and it can become nice making something fresh and beautiful, you know, turning one, you're, you're turning your crash Would you, pad. would you like me to, would you like me to come in and clean the Oajuru Towers, Michael? You know, obviously for a modest fee, but. No, you know, forget the fee. No, it's it's you know, obviously what friends do, friends do for each other. The sure does. I, I doubt whether you could meet our standards. I doubt whether you can meet our standards. I doubt whether you can become <laughs> our cleaning fairy. You know, our cleaning elephant, maybe, but not our fairy. Because cleaning takes a certain skill. I mean, and obviously, obviously I, know, got the I know you I know you have a lot of staff on board anyway, so you probably wouldn't need my services. What with the footman, the butler, and uh, oh, I mean, the I'm talking for good people. Uh, you know, I'm sorry for, you know, in the cleaning department, I'm very happy right now, very happy right now. But, it, you know, uh, yeah, let me challenge you, Phil. You know, I sp- when we, we do have a cleaning, we do for a variety of reasons, but we do have a cleaning. But we clean the house before the cleaner comes in. We do. We do. We yeah, put everything yeah, away. You know, we put because, everything away. Uh, you, you, if, if it looks if it looks too bad, you know what kind of what kind of impression are you giving? And 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 also, of course, you want to maximise the work that the cleaner does. And so, if you can get some of the kind of the basics done, then maybe the cleaner can take it to another level. Well, well, exactly. When you say the basics, Dodge, the, the, place, the place being, it's always the thing, is being tidy and clean. Are they the same thing? If a place is tidy, does that mean it's clean? And, and it's a debate. I think it's, I've probably had... hard, it's probably quite hard for some somewhere to be clean if it's not tidy. I, and, and I speak as someone who is not the tidiest of people, I have to be honest with you. Well, well I'm, I'm with you in that respect, you know, in terms of. I, I like to think I, I'm 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 a tidy but not clean person, and I know many people are tidy and clean. It's uh, there, there's a subtle and telling difference. I guess you're a clean and tidy person. I mean, you're polished and bright and shiny in your in, in Woodford Towers. I think Mrs. W would disagree with that description of five in the eye. Well, that's it for another week. If you want me or Michael to clean your place for you, just message us on Facebook. We normally decline, but if the price is right. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed episode 0315 of the show. And we'll join us next week at the same time, episode 316. For now, this is me, Michael O'Hurger, saying, if you have been, thanks for listening. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news, as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?